Do you enjoy hearing the tech news delivered by smart, informed people? Me too. Learn more about how you can support this show at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, July 3rd, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. Hey, uh, the intro claimed it was going to be smart, informed people that is going to be delivering the tech news. That is not me. I'm Patrick Beja. You and, are. Uh, I'm in Finland. Both in our next smart and informed, Patrick. Don't let anyone tell you different. All right. Uh, hey, you know who else is smart and informed? Our producer, Roger Chang. Why, thank you, Tom. That's the kindest thing you've said to me this month. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> We're three it's days into the month. Is this how we all act the day before Independence Day in the United States? <laughs> yeah. Patrick is sullen because he doesn't get it off, and we're all goofy. Uh, let's start with a few tech things you should know. Let's do it. Google Cloud Chief Operating Officer Diane Bryant has left the company after less than a year. Bryant took a temporary leave from her 25-year-plus job at Intel in May due at the time to what she said were family matters, but then she joined Google under cloud CEO Diane Green. Her name has been floated as a possible successor to Intel CEO Brian Krasanich, who recently stepped down. It's a ramo, huh? Just kind of... Hmm. So family matters being her family wanted more money that she would get at the new job. Probably. Perhaps. Amazon has confirmed a GeekWire report that it's opening its checkout-free Amazon Go retail store with a new location in Seattle set to open in fall 2018. According to Seattle Permits, the store is larger than the original version, approximately 3,000 square feet versus 1,800 square feet of the original. Mm -hmm. Facebook announced it's shutting down the apps Hello, Moves, and TBH. Because none of you use them. Well, at least not enough of you. <laughs> Hello was an Android app available in Brazil, Nigeria, and the U.S. Moves recorded fitness activity. And Facebook just acquired TBH's anonymous social network eight months ago. Facebook said low usage is the reason for the shutdown and the need to prioritize more services to its core audience. Facebook says it will delete user data from its servers within 90 days of shutting down those apps sometime in the next few weeks. I used Moves. Not recently. It was a cool <laughs> app that did stuff. Uh, fitness-wise that so many other apps do now. I'm not surprised. You know, when I say things like none of you, I immediately think I'm going to get an email from the person who's like, I used it, didn't expect it to be my co-host this time. Hey, I said I used to use Moves. I don't anymore. It all makes sense. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about Samsung phones. Right. Well, some Samsung phones, at least, uh, some Samsung phone users have reported the default Samsung Messages app is sending pictures stored on their device to random contacts via SMS. One post on Reddit claims that Samsung Messages sent out an entire photo gallery to a contact in the middle of the night. The bug doesn't appear to alert the user that the pics are being sent. One theory is Samsung Messages and recent RCS, Rich Communication Services, Profile updates on carriers is causing the bugs. In a statement to Gizmodo, Samsung said, We are aware of the reports regarding this matter, and our technical teams are looking into it. Concerns customers customers are encouraged to contact us directly at 1-800-SAMSUNG. 
So the, this immediately reminded me of the Amazon Echo debacle, where the woman uh, had a conversation in her home that she did not know was being recorded, sent out uh, to, I think it was like a, a employee of her husband or something, where it's like, okay, it could be worse, but still potentially really bad. This is my worst nightmare. And it's not even because I don't want any of you to see my pictures or anything, but it's like... You cannot have your phone erroneously sending photos. <laughs> okay, this is worse. A random contact. It is. This is how people get fired. Uh, friendships end. I could go on. This is way worse than the Amazon Echo. The Amazon Echo is a is is a worst case scenario of a bug we all are familiar with, which is the accidental activation, right? And so we're like, oh, it was not only an accidental activation; it's one she didn't realize that it happened, and it actually said like worst case scenario. But we all know how it could happen. This is not something you knew. This is not something, well, if I was really paranoid, I could have pressed mute. This is just out of nowhere. Your phone is taking your camera roll and sending a, a photo somewhere you don't know. So another, I guess the lesson here is be careful what you keep on your camera roll. You know, you're all taking the super negative approach to this. Maybe, what about happy accidents? Maybe you had a few racy pictures on your phone and uh, they get randomly sent to someone that you might not have engaged with otherwise. Oh, and they're like, oh, yes, oh, it's, it's, your phone is flirting you for you. I see. Yes. <laughs> it's great. Sure. It's, it's, it's allowing us to be bolder. No, exactly. that's it. Thank you, <laughs> Wikipedia has blocked Italian readers Tuesday in protest of the proposed copyright directives in the European Union we've been talking about. Italian visitors received a page claiming Wikipedia would be at risk of closing if Articles 11 and 13 of the copyright directive went in force. Article 11 would extend copyright protection in full to publishers of press publications with the intent to stop products like Google News particularly from scraping text from articles without paying the publishers a fee. It's often referred to as a link tax. Article 13 would require, and I'm quoting from the article now, information society service providers that store and provide to the public access to large amounts of work or other subject matter uploaded by their users. So in other words, web companies who let users upload stuff to prevent the availability on their services of works or other subject matter identified by right hold, rights holders. The directive mentions the use of effective content recognition technologies as an example. So it's saying if you let users upload stuff, you need to do something to prevent copyrighted works from showing up and you could use a content recognition technology. Uh, we're going to give that out as an example. And people are upset about the implications of this. Mm -hmm. Rightfully so. Uh, this is the Facepalm uh, articles, Facepalm 1 and Facepalm 2, or 11 and 13. I'm curious why only Italian visitors got that, uh, that page. I'm guessing it's a, a, a test, uh, and it will be shown to, I'm hoping, all European visitors soon on, on Wikipedia and maybe even other pages. If you go to the English stuff. language page of Wikipedia in Europe, it will, it will give you a banner uh, alerting you to this rather than block the entire page. I don't know why they targeted it Italy particularly, except maybe there is more support there or, or five-star movement is heavily in favor of this copyright directive. And then they're the ascended party there. I don't know. Hmm. I don't get the, the, the banner when I am on Wikipedia. 
Ah, you have it. Okay. The, I, I said that based on a, a report, but you're there, so that's interesting. I'm not seeing it. Mm. Would you guys like to talk about privacy violations again? Because I got another uh, one. Oh, please. It Does it involve Facebook? Would come. Facebook is warning around 800,000 users that between May 29th and June 25th, a bug caused the system to unblock at least one person that a user had previously blocked. This applied to both Facebook and Facebook Messenger, meaning that supposed blocked users could still view the profiles of people who had blocked them and also potentially send them messages, which is the whole point of blocking, not to be able to do either of those things. Facebook says it has since been fixed. There was an issue. It has it has uh, it acknowledged that and it says users who were affected will get a message from the company warning them that this happened. This one again, makes more sense than the Samsung one. I'm, I'm just, the RCS explanation makes some amount of sense. This one, Facebook has actually engaged uh, with Josh Constein, I, I think, from Ars Technica, saying we – we, I'm sorry, from TechCrunch. My apologies, Josh, TechCrunch, and Ars Technica. Uh, <laughs> Former coworker, I just know where he works. Yeah, no, I'm glad you caught me on that. Uh, this one, apparently, what Facebook says is that they pair records for access, and some pairs got deleted because of a bug. Now, they haven't explained that part of the bug, but I can see that happening, and then it just accidentally unblocks. 800,000 is a small percentage for Facebook, but it's a lot of people. Yeah, and this is the sort of thing, again, the the explanation does make sense at the same time, and it's not just Facebook, but Facebook is certainly a place where this is a very, very sensitive issue. If somebody is harassing somebody else or otherwise not welcome to send messages or to see what somebody is doing you know, on their timeline that you've been blocked from and be able to see that, that's a really big deal. Um, it's probably not a big deal for most of us, you know, fingers crossed. But in the cases that it is, it can actually be, and I'm not trying to be super dramatic, kind of life or death stuff. So you don't want that happening. Yeah. The Supreme Court of California has ruled in the case of Hazel versus Bird that uh, Yelp can't be ordered to take down negative comments. The decision overturned two lower court rulings that ordered Yelp to remove defamatory reviews posted by attorney Don Hazel's former client, Ava Bird. Uh, Yelp challenged that ruling, arguing that Hazel had failed to prove Bird's comments were actually defamatory, that it couldn't uh, be held liable for speech posted on its platform. California's Supreme Court agreed. Hazel's attorney said in a statement that Hazel is considering all legal options, including review by the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't think that's probably a good idea for Hazel because defamation requires a heavy burden, including malice, uh, to prove. And if you read the post, uh, which is in the court case, you can read the post that is at issue here. There's a lot of, they promised to do this and they didn't. Uh, Do not talk to the insurance company repeated over and over and over. So I honored that and did not speak to them. And that turned out to be a bad idea. There is nothing defamatory at first glance here. Now, that's not a legal opinion. That's just looking through here. I don't see anything that is clearly over the line or malicious other than all caps steer clear of this law firm. But that's a legitimate opinion and opinions can't be defamatory. Yeah, it, it's the, this issue seems like it's two issues, right? One is that the the comments made on Yelp were possibly not defamatory at all, which is what the Supreme Court of California decided, even though the lower courts said the opposite. 
But then the bigger issue is, okay, well, what if they were? Is then Yelp required to take part in this? Because Yelp is basically saying, well, they weren't defamatory, but even if they were, this is also not our thing. This is we're a platform, you know, like lots of other companies argue when these sorts of things arise. Yeah. And when I say uh, defamation can't be an opinion, I mean, you have to state something that you know is false as a result of either negligence or malice. And that is not what's going on here. This is just, I don't think this person is very good. So it seems that the California Supreme Court uh, is ruling consistent. It's curious that the lower courts didn't, though. So who knows? Scientists from Duke University, MIT, and Nanyang Technological University published a paper in the journal Small describing the use of sound waves to detect cancer. Sound is directed at an angle to blood flow, pushing circulating tumor cells, or something called CTCs, into a separate channel of the blood flow. So it's imagine like a stent where your blood's coming out and then going back in, and it kind of redirects the tumor cells off into a separate channel where they can be collected as a blood sample uh, and then analyzed. Duke professor Tony Jun Huang says the method can, quote, find out in a non-invasive manner, like much less invasive than a biopsy, whether the patient has cancer, where the cancer is located, what stage it's in, and what drugs would work best. The approach itself is actually three years old, but what's new here is that it can function in the clinical setting with 86% efficiency in an hour. The scientists think they can even make that faster and more efficient and available in a cheap disposable chip. So cancer detection that you could just try and throw away in the doctor's office. That's pretty amazing. I wonder if the 86% efficiency means that if you get a negative result, you probably still have to go do another procedure. Maybe Let's not jump to that conclusion. Uh, I'm not sure that's what efficiency means, but that is a fair, like separate from whether that's what the 86% efficiency means. Right. That is a fair thing is how often would there be false positives? And I'm, I have not fully read the article, the, art, the journal article small. I could only read the abstract. Uh, so I don't know about that part of it. Right. But Cheap. yeah. Cheap disposable chip, sound waves. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the Patrick's question is a good one. You know, then what happens, right? You know, the sound wave version is like, okay, you might have cancer, and it might be at this stage. Then yes, there's there's probably some you know second and third and fourth steps to go through. But this is what I hate about reacting to to scientific articles. This is a peer reviewed article in a respected journal from Wiley, so they've thought of all of this. <laughs> this is no, of course. Well, I yeah. mean, it, it's the, the of course we don't technically know exactly what the eighty six percent efficiency in an hour means but it's it's just the the general thought of if you have something that is not you know especially with cancer if you have something that is not a hundred percent sure you know 99 percent sure uh then with such a big uh 86 uh, percent efficiency is not 86 percent accuracy 86 percent okay. efficiency right. if i'm reading this correct has something to do with like part of the sample just didn't get used it was a, okay. you know, it was a, well, as, as somebody who, you know, I'm surrounded by people and animals with cancer, uh, and have been for years, anything that will help diagnose something earlier and less invasively, even if we, we still, there are some questions about, you know, the efficacy of this and, 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 and where we go from here is a good thing. 
and there is no suggestion that there is any problem with the efficacy of the test. Right. But Tom, the, this, the, let's do a headline here. It's no, okay, never mind. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, it's good though because I'm sure a lot of people will look at that and think the same thing. So it's it's good good to, to cover that, uh, folks. If you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines, available at dailytechheadlines.com. Let's talk about something that nobody disagrees on. Cross-platform play. Everyone knows it's bad and wrong and we shouldn't have it. And nobody wants it. Right, Patrick? Amen. Exactly. It it, it is hated universally in the gaming industry. Uh, Well, not really, actually. It's pretty much Sony only, which is the most successful manufacturer for this generation of console, which is saying, hey, we don't want you to play with other people on other platforms uh, or on other consoles, to be exact, uh, because we want to preserve our lead and take a competitive advantage on this. And this has been their policy for a long time, but now a a new development has brought this under a a significant amount of, of focus and everyone is is gunning for Sony at this point. So this happened right after E3 and uh, the release of Fortnite, which, as everyone knows, is the most successful game in the universe right now and, and very successful by a significant margin compared to other previous successes even. Um, and Fortnite was released on the Nintendo Switch. And uh, the PlayStation, as we mentioned, has had a policy of not allowing crossplay, which means uh, when you start a game in a specific game, uh, crossplay enables you to play with uh, your friends that are on another platform, right? So you can play with uh, people on the PlayStation 4 and on the Xbox One. Well, Sony says, nope, you are not authorized to do that. You can and play on the, the PC, case. though, right? Isn't it cross? Crossplay with PC, or am I wrong about that? Yes, uh, so it is crossplay with PC but and with it. iOS uh, yeah. and uh, other non-console platforms. Oh, Sony will... this allows Fortnite crossplay with iOS. I thought it was only PC. No, it's PC and iOS and on Android now that it's uh, available on Android. Gotcha. Uh, But the the issue of console uh, 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 preventing of crossplay has been around for a long time, but it was only the PlayStation and the Xbox One, basically. So it was, you would choose your camp anyway, and it was a little bit annoying, but people had accepted it. And fewer people had both the Xbox and the PlayStation 4, right? Like people, what? Sorry, people. Few, few people had both consoles. Really, it's more common for people to pick. You might, you might still have friends that have the other console, so that might still come into play. But with the Switch, um, it's all of a sudden it's three players, and two of them are playing together. And there is one that is isolated that doesn't allow uh, you to play with your friends on the other two consoles. And on top of that, there was something that was really their downfall, which is when you link your account to the PlayStation, uh, you link your Fortnite account to your PlayStation account, then you are prevented from linking it to another console. Now, with Xbox One, it was already the case. No one really cared because, as we said, you know, you choose your camp. But with the Switch, at that point, the fact that some people own both, many people own both, comes into play. And when you try to link your Fortnite account to your Nintendo account on the Switch, and you've already linked it to your PlayStation account in the past, you get a horrendous error message, possibly crafted that way by Epic to elicit the kind of anger that we've seen, which says, 
sorry, you've uh, linked your account to a previous console in the past, to a previous service in the past. You cannot link it to your Nintendo Switch. There is nothing we can do about this. Do not contact us. The only thing you can do is create a new account. And that means losing the progress you had on the other one or not using it at least. So that created a PR nightmare for Sony that has been evolving in the past few weeks. And uh, the initial response was also quite horrendous from Sony PR. Essentially, what they said was, well, we allow you to play. We allow PlayStation uh, players to play with 80 million active users on the PlayStation Network. And we have additional members of the community that can join from the PC and Mac and iOS and everything. And it doesn't matter if it's not your friend, so many other people are doing it. You have the wrong friends. And on top of that, (laughs) exactly, so many, who cares who they are, you know? And on top of that, they concluded with a sentence that was, um, uh, sorry, I, I don't have the quote here, but essentially it was, and that's all we had to say on the matter, which is, as I've said in many shows, the PR equivalent to telling you to, yeah. you know, GTFO. Exactly. And, um, and, so, and really, again, I think it's important well. to, to understand it was the introduction of the switch that sparked this. All of this was true before, but there were fewer people who got upset if they couldn't link their xbox account because they'd already logged into fortnite fortnite on the ps4 it was when the switch added fortnite crossplay compatibility that this blew up because like you say more people are likely to own a ps4 and a switch than own a ps4 and an xbox one and on top of that because the switch is mobile and i can take it with me more people are likely to want to play fortnite on both even if you own an xbox and a ps4 if you can only log in on one it's like well i guess i'll use that one to play fortnite but with the switch it's like well wait now i can't play fortnite when i'm out and about on my account because i logged onto the ps4 i i think that's important in understanding why this suddenly is causing so much consternation among people yeah, I think it's that it's a number of factors. Fortnite being a, a super popular game with "quote unquote" normal people. You know, you have uh, 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 pop, uh, you have artists and athletes who do the Fortnite dances on the on the field and things like that. So it's uh, kind of the one that would bring this about. It had been brewing for a few years already. You know, you had this that had happened for different games. Um, but this one was really the, the confluence of a number of, uh, of, of things that made it so uh, visible. And uh, even now, you know, uh, other companies are leaning into this. You have uh, Microsoft and Nintendo that made a co-branded advertisement for Minecraft that was specifically saying, when you're using one of our products, you can play with each other. You can be friends and play together. Quite a, you know, with the wink wink, unlike the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have Bethesda that is explaining that their upcoming game, Fallout 76, will not have crossplay enabled because, and here I quote, uh, Sony is not as helpful as everyone would like. So they're directly naming them. So this is kind of an untenable situation for Sony. They are going to have to do something, and they they have released another statement uh, that is a little bit more conciliatory. They're saying we're hearing people, we'll see what we can do, but obviously there are a lot of moving parts. Um, but this is probably, there's one other thing we should note. Um, Sony has based their entire communication for the PlayStation 4 on the idea that they are doing this 
for the players. This is literally their tagline, which you've heard, I'm sure, in their advertisement, for the players. This is for the players. And this resulted from the disastrous announcement of the Xbox One back in 2013, um, which they took advantage of by basically pointing out some of the flaws of uh, Microsoft in that announcement. So when you base your communication on, communication on for the players, and then you do that kind of thing, it elicits a lot of anger. Well, and the other thing, uh, Sean Layden, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, told Eurogamer, we reported on this on DTNS previously, uh, he said, you can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community while at the same time supporting our business, which has led a lot of people to say, oh, this is about in-game purchases. This is about the fact that if you buy a bunch of stuff on the Xbox and Microsoft gets the money, Sony doesn't want that to be used on the PlayStation 4. They want to get the money for those in-game purchases on the PlayStation 4. If you make them on the PC, whatever, they'll let that go. But they definitely don't want to be allowing Microsoft to make money off of people who are playing on their platform. I think that's part of it. But I think it goes beyond that. I think it has to do with we don't want to enable cross-platform play with Microsoft. I bet Microsoft doesn't really want cross-platform play with the PS4 either. But since they already allowed it, they're in the enviable position of being able to say, hey, we already allow it. So if Sony won't, it's good for us because it keeps our people in our yard and allows them to think we're the better guy. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that has to do with who is in the dominant position and who is the challenger. Uh, if the roles were reversed, I'm pretty sure it would be the same story, but reversed. Um, but, you know, still, at this point, Sony is coming at this with a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of an old mindset. Uh, this, in this world, you are now used to the device mattering a lot less um, and, you know, in Netflix, YouTube, everything is is device agnostic. And I understand why Sony is thinking like this, but they also have to adapt to the realities of uh, the, the, the current world because this isn't going to bite them for this generation of consoles. They, they've already won, but they're losing goodwill and mindshare for the next generation of consoles where people might say, well, I don't want to take a risk. I want to be able to play with my friends, so I'll go with the other guys. But it must be worth it to them because there's a big bunch of dollar signs and in-game purchases they're looking at that they don't want to mm-hmm. lose. So, yeah. Well, they wouldn't be losing them. They have the, the immense majority of devices are their own. So, yeah, I know. Somebody's crunching the numbers for them in there somewhere. And it, and it doesn't have to do with just Fortnite either, I'm sure. Of course. Well, there are a lot of opinions on this and other topics. And if you have a strong opinion, you should submit it to our subreddit because we use our subreddit to figure out what you want to hear more about. You can submit stories and also vote on other stories at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash news. Show. You can also send us electronic mail using your electronic mail service provider. We've received some of these electronic mail messages, Sarah. Indeed we have, Tom. Latest comes from Bill Burlingame from Huntsville, Alabama. We love you, Bill. Uh, he had a response to our automation conversation yesterday. Are robots taking jobs? Were they just 
changing jobs and how worried should we all be about it? Bill says, in 1979, I worked for a company who had a contract to automate the toll booths from the New Jersey Turnpike in order to reduce theft because some of the toll booth operators were holding back the tickets they collected and exchanging them with tickets collected at an exit nearby to make it seem like vehicles exited before they actually did. Okay, so there was some fraud going on. Bill says, I wrote the firmware for a Z80 system, which would issue a ticket with a magnetic stripe to a person that was actually entering the turnpike, then would read the ticket when they exited and display the price. So the toll booth operators weren't replaced by the computer. They were still collecting the fare. It was just more efficient. Mm. In 1970, Motorola had a contract with Holiday Inn to automate their business. We did that with a DEC PDP-11 microcomputer. One goal was for the front desk to know when a room was being cleaned, when it was being inspected by housekeeping. Very important, especially during busy times where turnovers, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a, well, it's not a matter of life and death, but it's important. Another problem was that some guests would eat breakfast at the hotel's restaurant and then charge it to the room and then check out before the charges at the restaurant were made to the guest's account. So the system, as you can imagine, paid for itself quickly. Yes, PDP-11 mini computer, by the way. What did I say? You accidentally said microcomputer. So oh, I know sorry. Bill was yes. like, wait a minute, that was a mini. It's not a micro, it's a mini. Uh, what I don't know what a PDP-11 is, but I, I assume in 1970 it was probably pretty cool. Oh, PDP-11 is a classic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, thank you, Bill Burlingame, for, for sending these along. Uh, I love his stories. He's got a, such a wealth of experience. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Really appreciate it. And, and really good examples of, and again, this is, you know, decades ago, but examples of saying, hey, the system that we have isn't efficient. We're not replacing people. We need to make the system more efficient. Yeah. I think that, sure that applies to today. You know, decades, sure. But in the end, those turnpike things were, I'm guessing the uh, attendant was taken away uh, at some point. So, you know. They have been recently. I know that we had attendance here on the tollway down in Orange County just in the past three years go away oh, uh, for, wow. for scanning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, they're, you know, they, they're still on the Bay Bridge, not on the Golden Gate Bridge anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about San Francisco for anybody in the Bay Area. But anyway, yeah. Um, you know, it, we continue to evolve <laughs> with the help of AI. <laughs> you know who's also evolving? That's Patrick Beja. Am I though? Well, you're multi- really? you're, you're you're multiplying <laughs> and making <laughs> your brain bigger and stronger. I don't know. I don't, I'm, you know, that was a terrible segue. Uh, but Patrick, um, we have missed you since you've been on the show. Let folks know what you've been up to and where they can keep up with your work. Sure. Uh, well, I'll plug DTNS Labs Games. We talked about this. Uh, we have an episode up for the patrons right now. It will be on the regular feed on Saturday, I believe. Uh, tomorrow, um, actually. Yeah. Tomorrow. Well, there you go. And uh, we talked about this uh, PlayStation 4 crossplay in a little bit more detail. We also covered a number of other things. So go check it out or listen to it when it will be on the feed if you're not a patron. And if you are not a patron, you probably should be a patron to get it earlier. Please become a patron. Patreon.com slash DTNS. All kinds of benefits of membership, including a Discord server that is open to all patrons now. Uh, we're going to work on a way to stream all the live audio of the pre and post show to the Discord. I'm going to make that my project for July. Uh, so hopefully we get that going. You get exclusive columns every week from either me, Sarah, or Roger. It's all there. Check it out. The perks and just the good feeling of giving value for the value you get back from the show at Patreon.com slash DTNS. 
Love you all. Love to get your emails as well. In fact, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you have something on your mind or a burning question or anything in between the two, please write us. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. We'd love to have you live. If you can be with us, great. Dailytechnewsshow.com slash live for more information. Uh, Thursday, we're off. Uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday, we're off for the 4th of July. And then we're back on Thursday with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>